0: I am one step closer
1: to Poets Cafe. Today's guest is the author of How I Lost My Virginity to Michael Cohen and other heart-stabbed poems and State of Grace, the Joshua Elegies. You can find her poems in Best American Poetry 2016, Rattle, Slipstream, Wide Awake, Poets of Los Angeles, Chiron Review, and elsewhere. She's been nominated for seven Pushcart Prizes and four Best of the Net Awards. She's the poetry editor of Cultural Weekly, where she also publishes The Poet's Eye, a monthly photo essay about her ongoing love affair with Los Angeles. Welcome to Poet's Cafe with poet
0: Alexis Roan Fancher. Dying young, midnight, and again I'm chasing sleep its fresh linen smell and deep sinking. But when I close my eyes, I see my son closing his eyes. I'm afraid of that dream, the tape-looped demise as cancer claims him. My artist friend cancels her L.A. trip, unplugs the Internet, reverts to source. If cancer will not let go its grip, then she will return its embrace. Squeeze the life out of her life. Ride it for all it's worth. By the time his friends arrive at the cabin, my son is exhausted. Stays behind while the others set out on a hike. He picks up the phone. Mom, it's so quiet here. The air has never been breathed before. It's snowing. I put on Mozart a warm robe, make a pot of chamomile tea, the view from my eighth-floor window, spectacular, the sliver moon, the stark, neon-smeared buildings, their windows dark. Sometimes I think I am the only one not sleeping. My artist friend wants to draw the rain. She wants to paint her memories, wrap the canvas around her like a burial shroud. Tonight, a girl in a yellow dress stands below my window, top lit by a street lamp. Her long shadow spilling into the street. She's waiting for someone. I want to tell my friend I'll miss her. I want to tell my son I understand. I want to tell the girl he won't be coming, that it's nothing personal. He died young. Thank you,
1: Alexis. That was a stunning, stunning poem. Beautiful and hard to hear, but incredibly written. How old was your son? Joshua when he passed? He was 26. And how long did the cancer progress between the time he was diagnosed and when he
0: passed on? About 18 months. He died of a rare, always fatal cancer called epithelioid sarcoma. It affects uh, adolescents and young adults. It was a very brave and tragic fight.
1: And how did the poems come to you? When did
0: you begin writing State of Grace? It started out as a single poem. Uh, The first poem written and the first poem published was over it. And it was published in Rattle in 2013. It took me eight years to write 14 poems for the book. That's a long time processing. You write every morning. Are you a fairly prolific writer? Well, to put it in perspective, uh, during the time it took me to write those 14 poems, I wrote and had published over 100 poems in journals, published another book, a full-length book, How I Lost My Virginity. Those poems came slowly, and it great personal cost.
1: In your foreword, you say that you would give anything to know that he's okay. Have you ever dreamt of him?
0: I try not to. Way too painful for me. Occasionally, he sneaks into a dream, but just devastating. It hasn't gotten easier. it has been nine years next month that he's dead, and it seems like yesterday.
1: Every situation is different. Every situation of grief is different. And there's never any kind of comparison, I think. I remember only when when my grandmother died and I saw her in a dream. I was so happy to see her, you know, because it felt like she was there. And yet I can understand as much as I can understand the pain that you have endured, which no one can know, you know, without going through that, how even the memory of him in your subconscious
0: can be just a painful thing. Very hard for me. I, you know, the writing of the book seemed to really help me to deal with the grief more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And I do readings of the book quite often to grief groups and church groups and just people in general, and um, that kind of helps until the next day when it's like reliving his death all over.
1: Right, yeah, because it's bringing up all those feelings again. It's not something, I think, as you said
0: earlier in conversation, that one
1: moves on from. I
0: can't say for other people, but for me, it doesn't get easier. It gets different. It's still there. It's still touchable. As an artist, I have to go there. I could not have written these poems if I hadn't been in very, very deep touch with my grief. So you go there for art. At least I do.
1: Were you writing poetry at the time when you were raising him? I mean, was he exposed to your poetry? Did he like poetry?
0: I think he did. He was he was a jock. He was a sports okay. guy. He was a basketball player and a very good one. And I didn't write a lot of poetry when he was growing up. I was very busy being a account executive for Times Mirror, mm-hmm. um, okay. you know, buying a house, being a mom, um, just the usual things. But I wrote a book during that period. and Thankfully, unpublished book. Um, <laughs> uh, I had a friend who's a, a marvelous writer read the book and say, "Whoa, really taught you how to write, didn't it?" <laughs> so, that's in a drawer somewhere.
1: Yeah, sometimes that's the the kindness you know that they can offer to you. Um, let's let's hear another poem, uh, "Snow Globe,"
0: and um, we can talk a little bit more. Snow Globe. Despair arrived disguised as nine pounds of ashes in a velvet bag, worried so often between my fingers that wear marks now stain the fabric. Is it wrong to sift the remains of my dead son, bring my ashen finger to my forehead, make the mark of the penitent above my eyes? His eyes, the brown of mine, the smooth of his skin like mine. Unless I look in the mirror, I can't see him. Better he'd arrived as a snow globe, a small figure standing alone at the bottom of his cut-short beauty. Give him a shake and watch his life float by.
1: I know you worked with Jack Grapes. He's one of our LA's. Really accomplished poets, yeah. And uh, certainly a a large presence in the literary world. Of your collection, which we're speaking of today, if you've just tuned in, this is Poets Cafe, and we're with our guest, Alexis Roan Fancher, and we're speaking of her gorgeous collection, State of Grace the Joshua Elegies. So of your collection, Jack said, your heartbreaking poems were unique in their artistry and compelling in their soulful lament and a magnificent testament to the resilience of the human spirit. How did his method writing workshop help you to connect with your
0: own deep voice? That's a great question. I started studying with Jack Grapes six months after my son died, so January of 2008. And I believe it was Jack who really steered me back toward poetry. I was working on that novel that I mentioned and was bringing that into class, but Jack really focuses on poetry. And his method gave me the tools I needed to really go poking around inside of my grief and the death of my son in a way that created art rather than devastation. I always say that Jack taught me how to write and I honor him every day of my life. Mm. That's tremendous.
1: I haven't Worked with Jack, I've heard of him, of course, and the idea of method writing, of course, makes me think of method acting. So, is there a relationship where you're sort of being inside that
0: experience? Jack was originally an actor um, as well as a a poet, and Mm -hmm. I believe he still does a lot of acting. He's written screenplays, he's written stage plays. I'm an actor. My degree is in theater with an emphasis in acting. So, oh, I um, that. yeah. Okay. I come from that background. So for me, his method writing, which is, you know, based on method acting, was perfect. I got it. I understood it and for me as a writer, I've got to put myself there and write from being inside. And Jack taught me how to transpose my acting method to a writing method that serves me every day. One really feels that when they read your
1: work, whether it's something as poignant and beautiful as these Joshua elegies or some of your other work that's more visceral and sexual and immediate. But uh, there's always that sense of I'm really here, you know.
0: I think of myself as a confessional poet. Okay. I write stories. I tell stories. I want to have you see what I see, be mm-hmm. in the space that I'm in. And Jack's Method has really helped me with that as well. Were you influenced, say, by Anne Sexton or any of those confessional
1: writers? Or?
0: The person who opened up my world was Dorianne Locks. Oh, Yeah who has since become a friend Mm -hmm. and uh, a good friend. And just reading her work and and looking at it and going, oh, my God, she can say what she wants to say, really changed my life. Um, Sharon Olds and Sexting. She's a heavy hitter. Mm -hmm. People like her, uh, especially Dorianne, though. Ellen Bass is Mm -hmm. another one who just opened my world, but they were huge and continue to be huge influences on me.
1: Let's get back to the book again. There's a poem you mentioned early on which you said was the first poem to come, Over It. Can you read
0: that one? Over It. Now the splinter-sized dagger that jabs at my heart has lodged itself in my aorta I can't worry it anymore. I like the pain, the dig of remembering, the way if I moved the dagger just so I could see his face, jiggle the hilt, and hear his voice clearly, a kind of music played on my bones and memory, complete with the hip-hop beat of his defunct heart. Now what am I supposed to do? I am disinclined toward rehab. Prefer the steady jab, jab, jab that reminds me I'm still living. Two weeks after he died, a friend asked if I was over it. As if my son's death was something to get through like the flu. Now it's past the five-year slot. Maybe I'm okay that he isn't anymore, maybe not. These days I am an open wound, cry easily, need an arm to lean on. You know what I want? I want to ask my friend how her only daughter is doing, and for one moment I want her to tell me she's dead, so I can ask my friend if she's over it yet. I really want to know it's the the
1: insensitivity of people. I can't imagine what it's like to have to deal with that on a continual basis and and all the different reflections that people will have, whatever they are, you know, which may come gently or may feel uncomfortable and I mean, this is just such a deeply expressed reaction and an honest reaction, how would you feel? And I think because people aren't always keeping one's pain in their mind, then it's also easy to forget it and they move on to something else. But you're still sitting in that, you know. You're stuck in it. Yeah. I have to think about also this grace, the idea of grace. And how you don't have to, but how you do embody grace as someone who's endured that kind of loss. And how when people speak to you of their loss, you are imbuing that. That's something that you are offering to others, a sense of that grace. I think it takes a certain, a real strength to be able to do that. Thank you.
0: Compassion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at that. Okay, friend, um, who (laughs) said that to me? Literally two weeks after my son died, and the the astonishment I felt. um, And it took me years to write this poem. Sure. She said this to me in two thousand seven, and I wrote the poem in twenty thirteen. So this stewed around in my in my gut for years, and I couldn't let it go. And But look what came from it, something that I've had people from all over the world. When this poem came out in Rattle, the response was just tremendous and continues to be. I've met friends. I've counseled people. I've had people spill their guts of just the horrific pain that they've gone through with their loss, whether it's a child or a grandmother um, or a husband Loss is loss, right. and one is not greater than another. I think that's been a gift that I've received from this, is to honor the sense of loss and to accept it and not to run away from it, you know? And how that loss
1: changes us in ways that are indelible. Um, and this this book is just such a profound um, collection for any person who has experienced. Uh, a deep loss or knows of others who are going through something right now i would really recommend the state of grace the joshua elegies it is on kaiso flash kaiso okay.
0: for knock your socks off <laughs> That's it's a, what it stands a wonderful for. <laughs> publisher named claire mcqueen up in washington state who worked with me tirelessly on this book every single aspect the photographs the yes the way the the feel of the cover um the colors, everything, the gravitas of the cover. She was tireless and brilliant. In fact, so brilliant that I'm working on my next book, Enter Here, which will be out next spring with her.
1: Alexis is an amazing photographer. She's known throughout Los Angeles. She's photographed many, many of the poets of Los Angeles as well. And... um, that must be also an expression, too, of your, of your loss in different ways, but also of renewal, I would think, because you have such an affinity for the city. And that has to be a source of inspiration and comfort to have photography there.
0: You know, it's been very interesting. When my son died, I was living in Marina Del Rey on the beach, and uh, we sold our house in 2013 and moved downtown, right in you know Spring and and Sixth mm-hmm. in the old banking district, and an eighth floor loft. Very you know the opposite of urban. I mean, uh, the opposite of you know like living on the beach. It was very uh, gritty. Uh, a lot of homeless, a lot of a uh, lot of gentrification as well. Is right it the now. same place you're at now? Yes.
1: Okay, because I was there during AWP.
0: Yes, when you, had that you were. Party, right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah it's a great flat. Um, but it's fueled um, my love of the city, and I'm a native and grew up here, and wouldn't live anywhere else. I've traveled a lot, but this is my city, and being downtown and just walking around all day long with my iPhone or a inconspicuous camera and shooting the street scenes, um, as well as shooting uh, over 80 poets now, L.A. poets, mm-hmm. has been extremely rewarding.
1: Yes. it's great. One of the poems we definitely want to read is Death Warrant. And um, it speaks to something that actually happened when you went to court to handle your son's
0: ticket. Uh, Would you read that for us? Absolutely. Death Warrant. When my son's ticket was about to go to warrant, I went to the courthouse and explained to the judge that he was in the hospital dying. Someone in the courtroom gasped. Someone grabbed my hand. Josh lusted over a muscle car, a Dodge Charger with a Hemi-powered 5.7-liter V8 under the hood. He wanted me to buy it. I wanted to lease it. He said that meant I knew he was going to die. The judge looked over the warrant. He's in the hospital, you say. Yes, Your Honor. Terminal cancer. Good, she said. She handed the paperwork back to the bailiff. Then he won't be driving without a license out there endangering others. Why don't you take us out
1: with this gorgeous poem, When Her Son is Dead Seven Years. I don't know if you want to say anything about it before we go out, or if you just want to read the
0: poem. I would like to say a little bit about it. This was the last poem I wrote for the book. It was written shortly before the book was published and was not in the original book, but I just kept writing Mm -hmm. and um, I shared it with my publisher and she was like, oh my God, you have to put this in the book. This poem is very surreal as opposed to the rest of the poems, which are very visceral and gritty and not at all surreal, but I think by the time you get to the end of the book, you're ready for this one. Mm-hmm. And it's called, "Winner's Son is Dead, Seven Years. One, a woman is dancing on the moon, a barefoot adagio of lilting beams. She didn't know the light was so addictive. Her feet are cooking. Her arms are empty. She thinks there is someone to feed. Two, a woman is dancing on a cake plate in her kitchen. Call her angel food. She skirts the frosting's edge, skates straight to the bone white middle. She has a persistent memory. She has a penchant for truth. She has a life that is slipping away. Three, a woman is skating Barefoot on her sorrow, her brain awash in the smell of his skin, her arms shackled to the stars, a pirouette of unmet promises, regret. If she blames it on herself, she can fix it. Four, a woman is taking her dead boy's eyes to the moon, she wants to show him the whole earth before he finally gets some sleep. Five. A woman is sleepwalking on the moon, stardust clinging to her heels. She's carrying life inside her, a luminescent, big-bellied Madonna. She once loved a Russian poem about a pregnant girl chasing the moon but now she's forgotten who wrote it and how the poem ends. She just keeps chasing the moon and the moon with her big belly complicit out in the darkness lighting the way. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Lois. It's been a real pleasure.
1: This is host Lois P. Jones, and our guest has been Alexis Roan-Fancher. Many thanks always to our producer, Marlena Bond. Look for us on the Poets Cafe fan page on Facebook. You've been listening to Poets Cafe on Pacifica Radio for all of Southern California and beyond.